The Athletic Chiefs are a really good team, even with Anders Lee hurt. The Lightning just locked it down defensively and got into every lane. Matt is able to crush people constantly, generally cleanly, and not get penalized. They are selling a t-shirt that says semi-final champion. We're only six minutes into the podcast, and I've already forgotten what I've said. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 104, the finale of the Islanders' thrilling playoff run as they lose 1-0 in Game 7 to the Lightning in Tampa Bay on Friday night, and the Lightning advance to play the surprising Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final, and the Islanders' season ends one game short of their first Cup final appearance since 1984, as they are again eliminated by the Lightning, one round short of the Cup final last season. It was in six games in the Eastern Conference Finals. This year, seven games in the NHL semifinal series with the Prince of Wales trophy being presented on the ice after the game and hi i'm your host andrew gross of newsday and i'm on twitter at a gross newsday and joined as i have been through all and check me on my math here it's 19 postseason games it's gonna the run ends at 19 postseason games and that's colin stevenson at colin s newsday neil best at sports watch colin just watching that game, it, it sort of felt like the Islanders could have played six periods <laughs> and not scored a goal. Yeah, they, they, you know what? They had chances. Um, they had the, the the Josh Bailey chance right there in front, where uh, I, I guess um, you know, I guess Vasilevsky got a piece of it, and uh, and then they had the the Barzal. Yeah, he he swung and missed. Yeah, kind of, kind of whiffed on a bouncing puck there and so they did have chances um and then and, you know listen the lightning were the lightning really did lock it down they blocked 21 shots and you know i i didn't think uh, vasilevsky make any outrageous saves and he obviously didn't have to um yeah it was just a it was you know tough tough night i mean you know that that you know they give up that shorthanded goal and and um you know, they were just, uh, yeah, they just didn't have enough shots, man. They got to got to get more more shots through, and they just couldn't get done. You know, remarkably, if you go across the, the lines, the three categories in the NHL score sheet, the Islanders outchanced the Lightning 50 to 47, but they, they couldn't get anything through, like you said, 21 block shots. And it, it, to me, it wasn't just the block shots. It was all the energy the Islanders expended just trying to exit their own defensive zone. And, you know, by the time they got down ice, they couldn't really establish a a forecheck because the shifts were coming to an end. Uh, Vasilevsky's best save might've come in the, the opening couple of minutes of the game when uh, Beauvillier chases down. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, Vasilevsky stretches out his right pad there, but uh yeah, you know, like I said, it just you know, it wasn't just the blocked shots; it was also the blocked passes. I, I thought 
the, the lightning just locked it down defensively and got into every lane that the Islanders were looking to exploit. And, you know, that's why they're the Stanley cup champions. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're going to have a chance against the Montreal Canadians to uh, go back to back. I think they would be the only, only the second team after the Penguins to win consecutive cups in the salary cap world. If, if they actually pull this off against the Canadians and again, uh, the Stanley cup final for anyone who is interested in watching uh, that starts on Monday night in Tampa. Neil, as you're watching the game, you know, I know your column sort of had the theme of, you know, this was a fun run while it lasted. But, uh, you know, what, what were your thoughts watching that game? And did, did it just seem like the, the Lightning were just that one pitch better than the Islanders at the end? No matter how they lost, you know, I could have said the, the fun run is over, which I, obviously, but I, I was – Surprised at how not fun Game Seven was. It just—I mean, for a one-nothing game on paper, you'd think, "Oh wow, that must have been exciting." And there were a couple moments, obviously, there at the end where Barzell looked like he would have a chance. Puck jump, jumps over his stick, but but overall, I mean, the 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 Lightning just—they just crushed every opportunity the Islanders had. They got nothing going. I mean, after two periods, I thought the Islanders were just as bad as they were in the eight-nothing game. There, there was just nothing happening except for Varlamov keeping them in the game. And it was a little shocking just to see, you know, e even in the last sequence, I forget which, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm forgetting which Tampa player it was. It was a Kalorn or whoever it was who had um, – you know, four Islanders trying to get the puck away from him after they pulled the goalie and they spent 10 or 15 seconds, four on one. They cannot get the puck away from him. You know, Tampa was just, well, Tampa is the better team, but, but tonight they, you know, they played like the better team, even though on paper you'd think one, nothing is a close game. We're only six minutes into the podcast and I've already forgotten what I've said, but this stat came from our good friend, Kenny Albert, who uh, called the game uh, for the NBC Sports Network. And Kenny uh, relayed the fact that this is the first game seven in NHL playoff history to end one nothing on a shorthanded goal. Which, to be honest, was not that surprising to me. That, that's, that's, that, that stat is, is, is just weird. But I, I thought a more interesting stat was that the Islanders have not allowed a shorthanded goal, period, the entire regular season of playoffs. That's more depressing if you're an Islanders fan. Yeah, that was a weird one, too. Like, three guys go to one guy, a dude jumps off the bench, and he's wide open. You know, I, I don't know why all three guys gravitated to the wall there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, obviously, they didn't see the guy jumping off the bench if, if well, they did. Well, uh, you know, maybe a guy's got to stay in front of the net and 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 just to, and just assume that you know watch out for that. But Brock you know, you have an extra man. You should you should go get the puck. Brock Nelson did circle back, but too late. You know, Sorelli yeah. spotted Gord streaking down uh, you know Main Street there. You know, Brock did try and circle back. It was too late, um, and, and Gord beats Varlama, Varlama uh, past his uh, to his glove side. You, you gotta, I mean, again, these are professional hockey players who, you know, know the sport better than I do, but it just seems to me, you got one guy along the boards. If you see two other people going there, maybe you just kind of hang back and watch the middle of the ice there. 
That's all I'm saying. As you guys know, after hockey seasons are over is when we find out, you know, which players have broken things. And, uh, you know, I, I remember McDonough, you know, revealing his broken foot in 2015 after the, the Rangers lost to Tampa. We're going to find out who's injured. Um, and Barry made a, a general reference to guys who were beat up. Yeah, I have to wonder about Pajot, you know, my favorite yeah. Islander, because that line did nothing in this series. And I, Pajot was not as visible as normal. So I, I wonder about him. Um, you know, and in terms of strategically, you know, Barry eventually gave Palmieri a try in the first line, but not till very late in the game. And um, look, it, if these two teams played 100 times, I'm convinced Tampa would win 65 of them. Uh, however, there was just one game tonight and the Islanders, you know, had a chance, should have had a chance to win, uh, but they did not earn the chance to win. I mean, the, the Tampa obviously earned that win despite the, you know, the close score. Andrew, you mentioned the salary cap era and you know where I'm going with this. Nikita Kucherov played tonight. He did play. He did not make a huge impact. And Braden Point did not score goals, so his goal streak ended at nine games, which is one short of tying the NHL playoff record. And yeah, I know, I know where you're going with this. No, no, but the, the but the point, the, you know, it's, it's really. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just being a little, you know, twisting the knife a little bit. But, um, but no, they were good. You know, I mean, like, uh, look, I mean, I still think Vasilevsky hasn't played a great game. Uh, in the series uh, and our buddy Dan Rosen says he hasn't really stolen a game in, in the entire playoffs and he hasn't had to obviously and, and that's because listen they you know we know all about Point and Kucherov and Hedman but I thought their defense was magnificent today I mean you know your, your buddy Ryan McDonough was was outstanding he played as well as he did in his like early Rangers prime before the foot injuries, before everything, when he was on track to being one of the best defensemen in the NHL, he, he was dominating tonight. He was he was great. Yeah. What are you gonna do? That's why I mean I understand Islanders fans, and the, obviously as we saw with the you know Josh Bailey and Matthew Barzell could barely answer questions; they were so upset. So you did have to feel for them, and obviously Islanders fans are are also very disappointed. I, as a journalist, was disappointed in the, you know, the enter the lack of sort of drama in this game. You know, it just didn't have that theater that you would expect of a one nothing game in Game Seven. And the reason for that was Tampa just did such a great job of just sort of crushing the Islanders' offense. And and yet it was only one goal. Oh, I know. I know. You sort of had to keep an eye on the ice because well, I was watching the game. <laughs> I just. It was more interesting than the eight nothing game. Well, that one had sort of a morbid curiosity to it, I guess. But yeah, of course, it was one nothing game, and at the end, it was an exciting finish, and a puck could have bounced in, and suddenly the Islanders could have stole one. Uh, for the most part, nothing was happening. You know, and it, it was weird that the, the the penalty that the Lightning got the shorthanded goal on um, Barkley Goodrow cross checks Adam Pellick in the offensive zone. That's the game's only penalty. And, and we've seen, you know, some games in this series were, were wildly physical. And, and I, what, I'm looking at the uh, final uh, stats here. The hits were way up, 49 to 48. The Islanders had a 49 to 48 hit advantage, if you, uh, if you believe the NHL score sheet. But 
there wasn't the angry hatred that there had been in some of the other games in this series. You know, Matt Martin and Pat Maroon had a little talking to. There were a couple of, like, pushing, shoving. But really, I mean, both teams, it almost seemed like both teams were, I don't want to use the word afraid because that's not the correct thing, but they were hesitant to get too physical because they they didn't want to devolve into that in the game seven. Now, I know Martin, Matt Martin had a big penalty at the end of game uh, six, but I am amazed at this guy's ability to just send other teams' players to the dressing room and yeah. never get penalized, like, because it's all clean hits. So he took out, he takes out Sergachev. It was a clean hit. Guy goes to the locker room. He goes around crushing people and hardly ever gets penalized. I'm not saying he should be penalized. Just shows how good he is at his job, which is, you know, running around hitting people. And, and I, I should mention Sergachev went to the room, but was back. I, I, he might not have even missed a shift. I don't, I don't think he missed a shift. He was a, he, and he played a ton of ice time. If you look at it, I think he had like 23 or 24 minutes. No, I, I, I know that. I'm just saying Matt is able to crush people constantly, generally cleanly, and not get penalized. It's going to be very interesting. I know we're not going to go into details on the offseason on this particular podcast because we oh, will get to that. Teaser, we're, we're going to be doing another podcast I, about the offseason. That's what I hear. But just briefly, I will mention that, yeah, they need to add um, – I don't know. They need to add some firepower because right? Barzell or, or find new playmates for Matt Barzell because well, I mean, he's not, he's not his, his, his talents are not being maximized with this lineup, this line. Well, Matthew Barzell, I thought was, you know, I, I, I think it was clear cut that Simeon Barlamov was the Islanders best player tonight. 30 saves, you know, basically he was the team's MVP all season. Um, I thought Barzell was skating really nicely today. Um, You know, I know it didn't turn into any goals and, you know, he had a chance off the left post. Puck kind of hops over his stick in the third period. I thought Barzell had a very good game. You know, he was certainly invested in the game as you, and, and I thought it was very interesting his comments afterwards. You know, he was, he was upset about the loss, but what, what broke him down was, thinking about the veteran guys and he named Josh Bailey and uh, Andy Green you know as Barzi said you know he knows he has years left in this league but he was looking at Josh and and Greener after the game and he said you want you want to win for these guys right I'm thinking of Josh Bailey I'm thinking if I'm Josh Bailey like hey, I got years left in this league too. <laughs> oh, no, well, actually after that comment I looked up their ages I know Andy Green's 38 I looked up Bailey oh wait a minute he's only 31. <laughs> yeah, but when you're Matt Barzell 31 seems really old. <laughs> no but uh, you know I, that he really was uh he caught me uh by surprise as, as to you know just how broken up he was. He's a competitive dude, obviously. And uh, for, for so many different levels, this one, like, it, it probably hurts more than last season. I know, you know, you can't compare hurt, but to lose to the same team twice in a row, you know, keeping you from the cup final. I mean, you know, you, you think back to the 80s and the Islanders were always there. Just the Rangers had a pretty good team under Herb Brooks. And the Islanders were just swatting them away like they were minute bowl, you know. So 
you know, I, I, I understand the Islanders' frustration here, just not being able to get past that one team, the Knicks with the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan, right? Um, well, I do think that there's uh, obviously losing a cup final is also painful, but I do think in a lot of players' minds when you're imagining this, it's, you know, it's like the team that loses the regional final in the NCAAs and can't say they want to go to the final four. It's the team that loses the conference championship. They can't say they played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of these guys' heads, winning the cup is obviously the goal. But it's also they want, you know, it's like, wow, I, I, I'm in a cup final. Like, they don't get to say that. I, I think that really hit them hard. Hey, you know what? It, it offended my sensibilities after the game. The organist? No, no, well, the organist, the, the organist, the organist drove me into a stairwell to be able to hear my my Zoom interviews after the game. But no, no, no. But you know what? God bless the organist. He's got a cup final. You know, let him ruin other media members' lives. I'm done with the organist. All right. So, what offended you? So, as soon as the game is over and they present the Prince of Wales trophy, the Lightning start hawking merchandise, right? They are selling a T-shirt that says "Semi-Final Champions." Yeah, I saw. I saw like, I, no, you're not. You're you're you. <laughs> you are absolutely diddly squat. You're not. There's no such thing as a semi-final champion. <laughs> you're 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 right, of course. But you know, in the in the league's defense, it's an awkward position because normally, when you get to this point, you are the champion of something. You're the conference champion. So it is a little awkward situation. Well, then they, they're they the Prince of Wales champion. I mean, because it was, was arbitrarily awesome. arbitrarily decided that no. the <laughs> Vegas-Montreal winner was going to be the, the, the Clarence Campbell trophy winner. So oh. these guys are the Prince of Wales trophy. Yeah, I know. That was weird. I mean, they're, they're, they're digging stuff out of the past, you know, here. <laughs> I grant, yes. Semi-final champion is an oxymoron, yes. Yeah, well. I don't know if fans, you know, I know fans get to hear our questions on Zoom, but poor, yeah, poor Andrew's in this, like, it sounded like like a, like the echo you get recording in a bathroom, you know, it's like <laughs> the, the, the tile or sad sound. But at least Barzell didn't complain about how you sounded this time, though. I think he had bigger things to worry I about. Know. Exactly. Listen, listen, listen. Isn't that that's a good thing though, right? I mean, to to see how much it pained him. I just think it's a good thing that you know that that he that he really um, took it to heart so much. No, a lot of a lot of times fans in all sports wonder whether the players feel it as much as they do. And you're right. I mean, it was evident with all these guys. Bailey could barely answer the questions and. Of course, those are the only four players we were given. I'm sure there was other players who were equally upset. And also, again, I'm not blaming you for this, but it was just interesting that it, um, it was like three to four times longer than normal before they came out to talk to us, obviously, because they're in the room kind of, you know, sharing that experience. So, uh, yeah, Islanders fans can at least be confident that the players felt it. <laughs> Absolutely. In the case of Barzell specifically, I mean, here's a guy who, you know, does have years left, as he says. And, and you know, I mean, if he remembers this hurt, you know, maybe it drives him to, to you know, to do bigger and better things next season and the season after that. Well, I think it all builds upon each other. I mean, I, I you know, in the, in the Halcyon days when we were actually allowed into the dressing room, I remember, you know, having a chat with him about, you know, losing to Carolina 
the the first season under trots and you know he he was very eloquent in describing the motivation of being eliminated in the playoffs and not just you know being eliminated he he talked about the hurt but what he didn't realize was you know just how much fun playing in the playoffs was and he loves it he loves playing in the playoffs and and it's just built right you know they go two rounds in Trotz and Lamarillo's first season, they sweep the Penguins, they get swept by the Hurricanes. And then last season in the bubble, they, they get further. They actually had four series, you know, they qualifying series against the Panthers, they beat up on the Capitals, they, they go to seven games against the Flyers, and then they, uh, um, they lose in six to the Lightning. And, you know, this season, we all talked about how high the bar was set. And the expectation was to go further. Well, you know, they went one game further. They, they, they took the lightning to seven games. And, you know, as we talked about on the last episode, so the lightning have now won seven straight playoff series, which, you know, in an aside is nowhere near close to the Islanders 19 straight playoff series um, back in the dynasty. But still, you know, you're not going to scoff at seven straight playoff series wins. And this was the first time that the lightning had been extended to seven games in any of these series. And as, as painful as the loss is, if you're an Islander or an Islanders fan, the fact that Montreal, now I'm not saying Montreal is going to be a pushover because they've obviously proven they belong, even though they had a terrible record. Um, but even just the idea of, of hosting games one and two, that in itself, you know, makes it even more painful. The, the opportunity, the finals are a big opportunity under any circumstances. But when you are hosting the, the worst team in the playoff field in the final, by, you know, point. think about, by points, think about that. The, that just adds to the pain of that opportunity lost. Right. The, the cup final game number one would have been at Nassau Coliseum on Monday night. And now the barn is forever shuttered for NHL playoff games. It's- Right, and and um, and it would have been the first of the four series in which the Islanders were favored because they were the underdog in the first three. Um, I know Colin doesn't like betting talk, but it, it illustrates the perception of the team. And the Islanders were the underdog in the first three series, and they would, I assume, they would have been favored against Montreal. I, I wouldn't sleep on the Canadians at this point. I'm not. I, I know that, but the Islanders probably would have been favored slightly. Slightly, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, they would have been. Was it a uh, minus one fifty on the money line? Does stop, that don't. Mean, Colin does, does that not approve of that stuff. So you got to stop. I what? I got to stop. Colin, Colin does not approve. No, of no, that. it's it, Neil. It's okay. It's Andrew's podcast. He can talk gambling all he wants. Well, it's legal in Jersey. New York's still working on it, right? Well, I'm oh. in Florida, so. Oh, you could do well, Florida. You can do whatever you want, in Florida. <laughs> everything, everything is simultaneously legal and illegal here. So, but it's it's great to be in a place where I have not heard the word COVID nineteen or pandemic at all down here. You know, it's never happened. It's it, it's really weird. It never happened when it was happening down here, but never but, happened. Yes, never happened. I thought it was interesting that the uh, Emily is not. At full capacity, though, that, that surprised me in Florida. Well, it was going to be, but it, it was a Friday, and people started drinking down here at 10 a.m. and just forgot to go in. So no, they, no, they, no, they well, weren't allowing full capacity. 
but the but the NHL has rules though, right? I mean, they have to have uh, space behind the benches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know I know this podcast doesn't care about the final now, but but the, the thing in Montreal is going to be very interesting to see if they let more fans in. I mean, the fact no, that I think they will. Okay, they have thirty five hundred fans in there and a packed plaza. It's it's very strange. You know what they won't have? they won't have any independent media up there. I mean, and, and again, this is sports writer whining, but you know the Canadian government is you know you got to quarantine for fourteen days if you want to go up there and cover a game, unless unless you're an uh, you're a league employee because the league is going to charter a plane. Uh, for you know the NHL.com guys and you know Dan Rosens of the world and we love Dan thank you for appearing on the show but so these guys are going to get on a charter you know between Tampa and Montreal charter you land in Montreal they immediately put you on a shuttle bus from the charter so you're hermetically sealed off they whip you right to a hotel they assign you a hotel room. All these media members cannot leave the ho- their hotel room other than to go to the shuttle bus to go to the arena and then right back on the shuttle bus, right back to the hotel. There is no leaving the hotel room for any reasons. Yeah, they have uh, they have very, very strict protocol, but that 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 exists also and will exist also in Tampa. And I, and I don't think actually that Dan's going to Montreal, so... Okay. Or at least he wasn't as of uh, our ride home the other night. If Vegas had potentially won in, right? And Vegas literally is the wild, wild west. I mean, that place is open, right? I mean, we would have been swimming in the Bellagio fountain out there <laughs> with, without, without anyone saying boo. So, uh, wow. Okay. Well, maybe it's just as well. Anyway. People. Anyone else got anything to say about Game 7 and or the series? You know, I mean, I know we can't look ahead, but I mean, how about the over the course of the season? I mean, did, you know, is there anything that we probably missed that, you know, like the, the shorthanded goal <laughs> being the first shorthanded goal they allowed? That really kind of tripped me out. I heard that stat, too. That was that was crazy. Like, I don't know. How did they how did they why did their power play just stink in this series? Well, I, it, it's obviously tied in to how good the Lightning were defensively because this is two years in a row now. They were one for 17 on the power play in this series. Yes, that's correct. One for 17 last year in six games against the Lightning. They were two for 19. Uh, they had a net front presence in Anders Lee, so they got one more goal in one less game. But they yeah. were so bad. Speaking of the bubble, one thing I do find interesting is that now, granted, in the last three games, home ice, you know, held, but we do talk about whether home ice matters in the NHL. The, the fact that these two teams were in a sim, you know, kind of had a similar experience with their what they did in the series and who won and they met each other, you know, one year in a just a just an empty building in Edmonton and the other year in a fairly normal environment. I, I just think it speaks to as as weird as it was for the players to play in those playoff bubbles or the NBA bubbles, you know, same thing. You know, the bottom line is once those games started, those guys played like they play and, and they, they got caught up in those games. And it really didn't matter that there were no fans there. They were just doing their thing. And now the fans are there, which creates a better atmosphere and better TV pictures. 
but the actual competition in those bubbles was actually pretty pure. Yeah, no asterisks required for, for any of that. I mean, those guys competed competed hard up there, you know. Um, but as far as the power play, I, I think it's just the Lightning are really good defensively, and they probably should get more credit for being a really strong defensive team, and it carries over to their special teams play. Now, I, well, I'm not going to do a Lightning Canadians preview at all. No, no one cares. So, sorry. You know, you're saying all these wonderful things about the Lightning. Um, so I would ask you, like, are they are they better than the Crosby Penguins? Are they, you know, I mean, like, how do you rate them? I, I think they're deeper, and I think they're better defensively. I, I don't mean the Crosby Penguins of today. I mean the Crosby Penguins that won. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, I, I do think the Lightning are better. I do. And, and it helps that Nikita Kucherov is on the roster and they circumvented the cap. But all that aside, no, I, I mean, it's tough, tough to say. I mean, Sidney Crosby is an all-time great. And those were some really good teams. But they, I'll take Vasilevsky, you know, even though he hasn't been, you know, outworldly. Um, you know, the fact that Ryan McDonough is a second-pair defenseman on this team who, you know, plays like a top pair defenseman. You got Victor Hedman, who's probably the best, you know, one of, you know, we may win a, the Norris trophy yet again this year. And uh, unless my guy, Adam Fox wins it. Yeah. He's not your guy. He's Jericho's guy. And this, and this lightning core has been at this a long time. I mean, the, that, that uh, conference yeah. final, they beat the Rangers in his 2015 uh, you know, they've been doing this a long time. You know, I think John Cooper is a heck of a coach, you know, and it's right down the line with the organization. And, you know, and, and let me make clear to say nice things about the Lightning in no way takes away from, you know, admiration for what the Islanders did this season. Because I got a lot of admiration for how hard they competed and how hard they worked and just really how good a team they are, you know, and, you know, some warts here and there. And, you know, Neil will, will recite chapter and verse on Leo Komarov and, you know, but the yeah, other are a really good team, even with Anders Lee hurt. Yeah. They're, they're a good, well, of course they're impressive. They're a good team that is, you know, really a team and they've been together a long time and they don't have the big star power that some of these other teams have. And, you know, John Tavares, you know, are arguably the best player of the post-Dynasty era. I know people can argue about that. One of the best, one of the best handful of Islanders in the post-Dynasty era, obviously. He he leaves, and then the second he leaves, Trotz walks in here, and they're kind of a no, you know, not big star team, and they have three great years in a row. So it's very impressive. You know, I'm I'm glad you brought up Trotz, because as soon as the game ended. Um, I, uh, one of the readers who uh, emails me from time to time uh, emailed me and uh, I'll throw this out for consideration. Ernie wrote, the, the media is far too generous and never critical towards Barry Trotz. Uh, perhaps and maybe it will be realized that the great coach could be a greater coach if he was less set in his way, Scotty Bowman was never afraid to make changes and change his approach while maintaining the defensive team structure. 
I guess the point is uh, that, you know, Barry never altered his lineup, um, never changed his lines, uh, not double shifting, you know, the forwards enough. Um, and, and I'm sure the underlying thing here is not getting Oliver Wallstrom back into the lineup when the Islanders were struggling to score goals. Um I'll just throw that out there. Does, does, does Barry deserve any criticism for an 8 nothing loss in Game 5 and a one nothing loss in Game 7? There's two different things here. His body of work as a coach is uncontestably excellent. But that does obviously that, that doesn't mean that he's not um, subject to legitimate criticism because, yeah, I think he should have put in Wallstrom. I think he should have not had Leo in the first line. But that doesn't mean – He's not a great coach. It just means, of course, there's things that you can second guess. There's things you can first guess, things you could disagree with. Tonight, it looked to me like it would have been nice to have Oliver Wallstrom dressed. Yes. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Leo has had some good games. To me, Leo was not that noticeable tonight. I I, I would go the other way. I would say that's nitpicking. I mean, at the end, is, uh, is Oliver Wallstrom really – that big a deal. It was a one nothing game in which they did nothing offensively. And they yeah, gave up a short-handed goal. Oliver right? Wallstrom had, what, 12, 13 goals in the regular season? I mean, it's not like a 50-goal guy. I think he played 30-some-odd games. I, I don't know if it would have worked. I'm just saying it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate you can question. him, But, I mean, you know, but you, you, you already said the body of work is what it is. I mean, oh. You can't nitpick on every little thing that the guy does or doesn't do. Yes, you can. You, you're allowed to pick it whatever you want. It doesn't change the fact that he's a, you have a very good coach on this team if you're an Islanders fan. That doesn't mean fans aren't allowed to question some of what he does. You can question anything you want, certainly, but you have to look at the bigger picture and say, you know, if he does this, then he's going to – you're, you're taking away from Peter to pay Paul, right? So if you put Oliver Wallstrom in, there's a reason you didn't put Oliver Wallstrom in. It's because Oliver Wallstrom may score a goal now again, but obviously he must be deficient in some other area. And he's getting, he's getting something from Leo. I mean, he's not playing him just because he thinks his mustache is funny. He's playing him because he does something that, that the coach likes. So, uh, you know, listen, you can question that all you want. You could question, you know, why you didn't play Sorokin in game two of the, of the Pittsburgh series. I mean, I, you know, I, whatever. You can question anything you want. It got to game seven of the semifinal. That's why I said he's done a great job as the coach. That doesn't you mean. No, I'm not arguing with you. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about this email from this guy that wants well, us to, to bash Barry Trotz. Not, well, he doesn't deserve bashing, but he certainly, like every coach, deserves questioning of things. I agree with both of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> no more fights. No more fights. We'll save that for next season when, when yeah. Dan's got me back to the Coliseum again. This is the Kumbaya episode. So uh, that is the end of a fantastic playoff run. It, actually, it would have been fantastic if it had gone one more round. But still, a, a, a thrilling, a thrilling playoff run. I know right now it hurts and it's ultimately unsatisfactory, but this was one of the good ones. I thought Barry was very eloquent after the game, talking about what a special group this is, and 
you, you don't need to win a cup to have a special feeling for a special group. And I, I think that's how Barry feels uh, about this team and, and, and for good reason. And Barry, you know, said a lot of the pain here is because this team knows there are going to be changes for next season. That's just what happens in the NHL. And we will delve into what those off-season changes may look like in the next episode of the Island Ice podcast. But until then, I, I just want to uh, extend my heartfelt thanks uh, for the hard work and the laughs and the dedication um, uh, of my two Newsday teammates, Neil Best, Colin Stevenson, who just, in my mind, took what was, uh, you know, a nice podcast and, and took it to another level with with their contributions and uh i'm gonna miss doing podcasts with them every 48 hours just churning these things out like butter you know so neil colin thank you so much you're, you're great friends you're both great writers and, and it really is an honor to work with both of you so thank you very much thank you andrew you've done a great job on this beat and i hope islanders fans appreciate that yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, you know, I've, uh, I enjoy the laughs. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, I look forward to guests, you know, being a guest on the show, uh, you know, next season when, uh, you know, we get uh, the Rangers back on the ice and, you know, get a little Islanders Rangers and, and get that going. Well, you're not getting off that easy. You'll be back on way before next season. <laughs> And, and, and to you listeners, thank you so much for coming along on this ride. Like I said, I know it hurts right now, um, but it was a lot of fun while it lasted and a lot of promise for next season, a lot of things to discuss between here and there until we uh, get to the next episode and, uh, you know, delve into the off season a little bit. I know, I know this is going to sound funny, after a game seven, one nothing loss on a shorthanded goal, but happy hockey, everybody. <laughs>